Hi, this is Mindy Chang, and you're listening to Collaboration SF's podcast, Gold and Great. Welcome to Golden Grace Podcast. I'm Long. And I'm Elsa. And who do you have today? We have Minji Chang today. Minji was born and raised in San Francisco. She started out wanting to be a doctor and now runs her own podcast, first of all, and works as an actress in LA. And she founded Collaboration SF in 2009. She served as Collaboration SF's executive director for four years. Then she became Collaboration's global director in 2014 and served through 2018. And she's currently still on the board. Hi, guys. How's your day going? It's good. It's the weekend, but there are no weekends when you're creative. Every day is a work day, but it's good. <laughs> Everything's good. How are you guys? Good. Meiji, what's your favorite hustle song? Do you have like a song that builds you up? You like listen to Jay-Z or do you listen to like Cardi B? What's your <laughs> Hey, classical your music is an option. I, I'm just saying. Oh, Elsa, I like that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, do you have any? Um, I listened some. I have like a fire playlist on one of my... Uh, apps. Oh, is it literally called a fire playlist? It's called fire. It's like oh the God. thing. I was like, I need to get, I need to get uh, ignited. Um, I listened to some old school Kanye back when I, I liked him. <laughs> back when I liked him. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. Um, and then uh, I listened to, I listened to some Jay-Z. I listened to Beyonce. I listened to Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Um, yeah, some favorites. I have a lot of different, depends, again, very, like, particular, depends on the day. Mm-hmm. So that's your hustle soundtrack, right? Do you get <laughs> pumped up when you listen to it? Yeah, it's what I work out to. I've talked about, like, working out with Long. I, I love fitness as, like, a way to to relieve, like, build energy and to let, let it out. So it's definitely, like, my workout stuff. Sometimes it's EDM, though, like, and stuff Ooh. probably when you guys are very young, but... <laughs> you can say that about me. <laughs> Don't underestimate... Our music taste. I know. It's not even taste. It's like what was popular back then. I'm like, oh, I'm getting so old now. I don't, this this feels so foreign to the youngsters these days. <laughs> so, um, Minji, um, you are a very celebrated person in collab. And Oy. one thing we want to talk about <laughs> is, your, <laughs> is um, your first starts at Collab SF. We don't, I don't feel like we don't get enough of that story. Right? <laughs> I can but uh it's like a like you know always in hat nod I'm like you know come from the bay remember our collaborations ever since <laughs> thank you how was it when you first started like I know that you said that you when you first started collab is this you wanted to meet people right um are famous and then when you got more involved but we always jump about we always jump forward into when you transition to global but like how was your time actually volunteering um for nonprofit for volunteer and then like where were you career-wise as well too um yeah so the i think the the beginning of that story is actually in college when i was at uc berkeley um i had been going through a really big life change in terms of getting out of a really bad relationship and kind of figuring out who i was um and that's when i joined caso at the time it was caso became casa but it was the korean american student association during that time we're like sharing a lot of different kinds of content it was a little bit of a different vibe because facebook was just for college students 
So um, people were really like getting into their orgs and then sharing photos and videos and things like that. So that's during that during that time is when I found out about collaboration in general that it existed because somebody had sent me a video of PK, the original founder of Collab, um, performing like this really really funny Korean American song. It's like a spoof on uh, Enrique Iglesias. It's re- it's just so brilliant. Um, and I found that and I was like, oh my God, this is like earth shattering. This speaks to my heart. I was laughing, but I was like really emotional. And I was like, this guy, he's Korean American. Like he has to come, he has to come to Berkeley. So while I was uh, co-president of CASA, I actually invited him out to perform at our Korean culture night. So it was like 20, it was 2006 or seven. And um, I met PK and I was just like, I went on Wikipedia of all things. I was like, hey, so the Bay Area has more Asian Americans per capita than LA. Did you know that? Like, why don't you have a chapter here? (laughs) And uh, he was like, he was really excited that I was so enthusiastic about it. He was very kind and he was just like, yeah, that's like, that's dope. I love it. And, you know, we don't have leadership here, you know, to run the team like do you want to do it like you should do it if you're if you're into that and I told him like no because <laughs> <laughs> in my mind um really like it again it's kind of the introduction of social media in my head collaboration was like a very big legit organization and I was like kid at Berkeley like what do I know like well, how could I even run a chapter are you crazy so that's like really the reason why I had said no and I was like honored and like excited at the idea, but I said no. So then fast forward uh, to 2009, I had been working in nonprofit. Um, it's like a longer story just because like I had asked Kay like, hey, I want to be an actor. What do you think? And I thought he was going to give me like a whole inspirational speech. I'm like, yeah, go for your dreams. Like this is how you do it. And he was like, uh, he's like, no, uh, you better finish college and get your degree and get a job. So I was like, what? Because <laughs> um, I was, you know, expecting a completely different answer. But he was just like, you know, acting is extremely difficult. It's a very challenging industry. It's a very unstable existence. Like if you are going to UC Berkeley, like you better finish school. I recommend you get a job. And then if you're willing to give up a salary and vacation and um, benefits, you know, like if you're willing to give that up after you've had it, he's like, maybe then you actually want to be an actor. So that's why like he, he, PK shaped a lot of like my life, my trajectory of my career. You know, I'm young and I'm ambitious and I'm impulsive and I'm unsure about my future. So, you know, what he said, I didn't really think about it until, you know, the last few years, if he had given me a different answer, I really don't know what I would have decided to do. Um, cause I wanted to do this whole chase my dream thing, but I'm very grateful that PK told me that because it was a very honest answer. It was a very real answer that I appreciate. And, um, I did pursue working in public health cause I was at MC molecular cell biology major at Berkeley. I was pre-med. I switched to public health. I still was thinking about being a doctor or working in public policy, something like that. So I actually ended up working in public health while I started up. Uh, volunteering at Club SF. So that's like the the birth of that. And it was a really interesting time for me because I was, you know, in my early 20s. So very important time. How did you try to balance those two things of volunteering and full time? To me, I when I want something, I usually 
try to find the ways that you, you like work. You got to get this creativity is in all of us. You know what I mean? Like I got creative into like, how does this benefit my life? And to me, I always thought, you know, doing things that you love is just good for your soul. So there was that justification. Um, and then, you know, it was leadership development to me, like running a production and volunteering for a nonprofit. You know, I went to Berkeley. I was around a lot of smart people. I was like, this is a resume builder. If anything, this is going to help me have skills to network with the nonprofit world, to learn skills that I would, you know, it's like supplementing your job. You know what I mean? Like it's further developing another side of me that I've been into since I was in high school. So I was like, and I'm in my 20s. So I had I had hella energy. I had energy for days. <laughs> And I'm like around artists and getting to run auditions and do showcases. I was like, yeah, I got time for this. Like, <laughs> I'll do, you know, I'll do this for free. Um, to me, the balance was like, I didn't really think too much about it. I just kind of went all in. And luckily I had enough, I guess the passion really did play a big part. It didn't feel like it was costing me very much. I was just like, no, this is, this is great. What else can I do? <laughs> and so I was really driven by that. But later on, definitely the balancing definitely came into question more. Yeah. What would you say is your proudest accomplishment within your time at Collaboration SF? Because you gave years, um, which is amazing and shows your dedication. Thank you. Um, Well, like Long said, it's funny that I recognize I came in because I was very drawn in by kind of the the glamour of it all. (laughs) But at the time, it was really, really significant. Um, to have Asian American artists, I was really just like, oh my God, these are people, you know, I see on YouTube, but then also are competing and winning America's Best Dance Crew. At that time, that show was really significant for the community in terms of just seeing not only Asian Americans, but cool Asian Americans, like Asian Americans that you (laughs) genuinely are like, those are my people. They are so talented. They are stylish. They're confident. Like they had a, you know, a je ne sais quoi about them. I was like, man. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, meeting Kina Granis and Adrian Raphael, like all these people that I genuinely really look up to and I could feel in my bones were changing history for Asian America. Um, I was very drawn in by that. Like, like I really wanted to meet them. But what kept me in was the staff. Um, what kept me in were like the retreats and like, you know, even like... I look back on all the arguments and like the stressful things with so much nostalgia because that was like my ride or dies. You know, those are people that some of, I won't say who, but he knows if he ever listens, I'm going to send it to him. There was someone on my staff that like, I didn't get along with. Um, we, We fought, even when we got along, became really good friends. We still were like the ones that argued, but I, I loved the fact that we started off very polar and like on opposing sides and we learned how to become a team. And like, to me, I've watched him prosper as a person, his career. um, And I know that he's like a true friend. And that to me, like, that's the stuff that honestly kept me in collaboration for so many years, like in conjunction with the artists and then meeting not only the famous people, but watching people from like our neighborhoods, like our friends that we go to like high school, college with and watch their talent grow and their confidence grow like that like meeting you know Tim Atlas Tim Atlas was like he just came to one of our open mic nights and like he is you know he's doing very well as an artist that is his career to know that we played a part in that and to see you know all the different Filipino American artists like that 
we just, you know, they're from Daly City or from like San Francisco and like, just kill it. Those are the things that like kept me going. Um, and those are things that I'm extremely proud of. They may, they may not be like the super marquee headline, right? Um, but I'm very, very proud that we basically out of nothing, you know, collaboration to me is like, it never had to exist. It never had to be done. These volunteers never, they didn't, no one paid them or gave them anything other than purpose to come together. And then they stuck through it. They like put in their heart, soul and their creativity, their time to make something great for the larger community is really beautiful to me. So to have four shows that I got to oversee, um, and to watch everybody change and prosper. I'm still friends with so many of the artists from, from my years. You know, one of the guys, Eric Shu, he was in a band. Um, and he was in my first show as executive director. Now he's like, he owns a restaurant in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Like he's a restaurateur. He puts his creativity in everything he does. And just to see that change, I mean, like that's priceless to me. I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah. Looking back at your administration, um, <laughs> what was like one big challenge like at the time like you didn't feel like I can get over this or this is tough and but it just made you better as a leader and overall creative good question long very good question <laughs> um, I'd say uh, it's the nature of of the industry it's being um the popular stuff like it's interesting to be in the bay which is right next to los angeles right like we're just like 45 minute flight north um and to be you know like have a lot of things a lot of clout for collaboration san francisco that we're you know very technologically advanced etc but to create relevance was very tough um to have fomo was very, very tough to always be comparing to somebody quote unquote bigger was very, and that's the thing that's like, I'm still dealing with today. It was one of the most important things to carve out my values and my identity as a leader. Like, how do you measure that? What's your measuring stick, right? Um, With Asian America, with something like collaboration where you're trying to nurture artwork, artists are so defined by numbers and they're so defined by either like how many fans they have, how many downloads they get, how many views, how many how many dollars you make. And that and the dollars and views and numbers really applies I think everybody not just artists. That has been a very um, tough thing as a young person, as an Asian American who's grown up feeling really invisible, something that I've really had to grapple with and come to terms with and be like, look, the point is to create something true and honest but also to come up with something that impacts people, right? So whether you measure that by like you impacted five people that you like changed their life forever, that's an impact. Or you changed five million people because you know you made music or you danced or did something that they never saw an Asian American person do that. And you like literally changed the perception of what an Asian person means to them. There's so many different ways to go about that, right? So I had to come to terms with, Um, the numbers game and the comparison and how that defined me as a leader. What, what is it that we're aiming for? What are my key performance indicators? What are my KPIs? What are my uh, things that I'm striving for? And to be honest, like I'm making friends with the whole numbers thing. I think before I used to justify like, Oh, I don't care if anybody sees it as long as, as long as it's good. 
And to a degree, I still stand by that. I'm like, if it's true and beautiful art, then yes, absolutely. It's just, it's great that it exists. But also on the flip side, if a tree falls in the wood, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you you want people to, you want it to be shared too, right? So I think that that's kind of like the double, that's like the the yin and yang of it to make art um, that speaks to people that connects with them and and have it reach people. Um, And then there's a, there's, science in art too and there's not formula but there's ways that you can make art really strong and uh you know not palatable i don't know what the right word is but it's something that people want to get more of there's a way to do that too so i don't know i don't know if i even answer your question properly (laughs) very very hard for me because you know you can get caught up in the fomo and the comparison and then like lose sight of why you're doing something you lose your purpose and then um, figuring out, again, what your measuring stick is. How do you know that you're successful in doing what you want to do, and what you set out to do? Yeah, and what led to your um, decision to finally leave the Bay Area and go to L.A. and, you know, take holds of your dreams of being an actress? And did you feel like you were leaving this community behind because you left a legacy and you built um, so many friends and all these things you've done in the Bay Area? Um, moving down to L.A., I'm sure you had a lot of friends down there too, but it's a little different. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm just going to say, I'm gonna call it out. Like as a Bay Area person, I know a lot of Bay Area people can be, we're very proud. I think it comes from a very authentic place. Oh, yeah. I think they're proud of where we're from. Um, but it all can be kind of like, oh, we're better. <laughs> LA or anywhere, you know? Um, and so I kind of had that attitude a little bit where I've, I kind of looked at LA as like a sellout situation. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being very real. And, um, but I had to come to terms with a lot because as Collaboration San Francisco was doing really well, that's yeah. when I got offered the global position. Our executive producer, Roy, um, offered it to me pretty early on um, when I became ED. Because when I first started CollabSF, I actually was associate director. Yeah. Um, there was a, another girl as ED and then she stepped down. And then the second year onward, I was... Um, executive director. I had a lot of imposter syndrome about all of that, but um, I definitely, when I took it, it felt right. And then it was doing well. And I feel like collaboration San Francisco brought a different energy than like what LA had been doing for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then PK had just stepped down right when I started. So my very first collab SF show was PK's last year. And he had hosted every single show in all of collaboration up until then. So we were running without a captain. Our whole yeah. The collaboration as a whole, all the cities were running without a captain for three years. We ran without an ED. Um, and that's where we started doing like the monthly calls and like figuring out like, how are we going to run this without a central leader? Um, and in that time, Roy was like, hey, you're doing really great with Collab SF. Why don't you like help run the national org? And the same thing is like when PK offered the San Francisco role to me, I was like, no, <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> That's way too big. That's too big of a responsibility. I didn't know if I wanted to give up my job. At that time, I was working then in tech. I was working in downtown San Francisco. Good salary. You know, I was about to be promoted. Um, very secure. Everything PK had set up, like something difficult to leave behind. Um, but basically I had to like ask myself, what am I going to be, what am I going to regret down the road that I didn't give a shot? That was a question that was like sticking in my mind. Cause I was terrified. I was like, Hey, can I even do this? If I say yes, will I, will I run this organization into the ground or am I actually going to do something that I'll be proud of? 
Um, and with imposter syndrome, that's a very, it can be very anxiety ridden. You know, I was very like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to ruin it for everybody else because I care about it so much. And then on the other side is like, oh, am I going to have to move to LA? What I was thinking about all the things I had to give up, right? But yeah. then I was also really had to, on the flip side, think about what can I gain? This will be the experience of a lifetime. This could be something that like, if, if I work with good people, we could really take collaboration to the next level. That's what I wanted. Um, so the day I took, you know, the risk. And so the story actually is that I ran Collab Global out of San Francisco for a year before I moved to LA. I was trying to do my best to stay in the Bay Area. I was, it took me a long time, you guys. Like I was a very stubborn, I can be very stubborn and very like, no, I can make it work. I can just, you know, fly to LA every once in a while. It'd be fine. But during that year, I was basically going to LA once a month and I was like, yeah, I need to be there because that's where the <laughs> entertainment industry is, you know? So um, yeah, there was a lot of doubts and there was a lot of fear, a lot, a lot of fear. Um, but I was very glad that I waited and I kind of gave myself space to figure that out. And then once I made the decision, it felt right. Um, it felt normal. And then I moved to LA. And then again, during that time, I'd been acting on the side. So it was like all kind of overlapping. It, everything takes time to like figure out what's the right timing for you. Um, but yeah, even leaving collab then to become full-time creative, that was another hard journey. And I still miss collab. I mean, like I still, it was, again, wasn't an easy decision because I still love it so much. And it's not like I wanted to give that up. But as you know, you become older and priorities change, you have to make those tough decisions. Yeah. I like the idea of home as a concept where home is where your heart is, right? Um, yeah. And you consider Bay as your home, right? Still? But oddly, I still I like I actually found home in L.A. too. I'll tell you, like, even from someone who can be such a hardcore hater. I mean, I wasn't yeah. a hater. I just wasn't a believer. OK, <laughs> but um, like, yeah, you, you're exactly right. It is where your heart is and you can build community and you can find that same energy like you carry that. That's not solely dictated by your surroundings. Like you can take that with you and you can build that and contribute that where you go. So sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. Because I just, <laughs> just want to like tack on something because I think a lot of people have hard time leaving where they think home is. And for me, when I left a city that I didn't like and I moved to San Francisco, but I found out I had some traits from what where I came from have built me. So that gave me a connection of like, it wasn't San Francisco made me better, but there were some traits that at home that I still carried with me. Do you have any kind of traits that carried with you from Bay Area that still you hold up to you as a value? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, well, it's, it, okay, I'm not gonna hate on the Bay Area. It's just changed <laughs> a lot. Um, and it, it kind of like Loki breaks my heart. Um, but I still think, you know, whenever I go, I still see people and I meet my friends and they're still the same thing that I carry with me. I still think it exists. Um, it's just being challenged right now. So you guys gotta hold down the fort. Um, <laughs> But what I think the Bay was always very purpose-driven. Um, whether it was intended to be that way or not, I think the people who gravitated towards living and building businesses, community in San Francisco Bay Area was a lot of forward-thinking people. Um, very progressive. They're, they're thinking kind of 
they had that reputation and I think they lived up to it. There are a lot of different social movements that have its roots in the Bay um, or that, you know, maybe not even like its initial roots, but like thrived there, like grew and prospered. I mean, I went to Berkeley where we have like the free speech movement cafe, you know, that's where we all congregate to like cram for finals. But that even like is a symbol of a lot of what happened in those in those places, you know, Berkeley was where free speech movement rallies happened. Black Panthers, you know, gathered nearby. The hippie movement happened in the heart of San Francisco. Um, you know, even what's happening industrially, and then you and even like Silicon Valley and everything. There's a lot of like forward movement that I think comes out of the Bay that um, figure out how to make things better, figuring out how to do it consciously. It's not even like a superficial better. It's like, well, how do we make it? something that really improves the lives of the world it's not even and it's very it thinks very big too you know what i mean um all these different social movements have had their roots there and uh i think that's a, a value that, that that consciousness is something that i want to always have with me that i'm not ever taking everything at face value that you think deeper you think bigger you think wider you think global like this is not just about me and my community immediately. This is like implications have ripple effects far beyond maybe what I can understand. And um, I think that's really special. That's what makes me very proud and honored to have grown up in that place. Like, I think I took a lot for granted too when I lived there. Cause again, you just kind of like, you, you live there. You don't, you don't know all the special things sometimes until you leave it. Now that you're an artist and entrepreneur and doing all these projects, like how does it feel looking on the other end? Because before you were giving a service to these artists and um, performers, it's like, is there kind of a aha moment or like new lens you see being on the other end and what things you would want out of like nonprofits like collaboration? Oh yeah. Um, I think collab taught me I think collab prepared me in a very unique way that I feel like when I entered as an artist, I had such a privileged, like in-depth perspective that a lot of other artists don't have because they have not been in the organizing rooms. They don't know what drives. I've been able to meet with like network executives. I've been able to like talk about diversity with not just like the people, but the people that are making decisions, they're the ones funneling, they're like green lighting projects. They're the ones that are making decisions, right? Um, I feel like the industry and the society had changed so much from when I first started, because that was 10 years ago, um, that diversity is relevant now. And I do credit collaboration as playing a big role in that. I think the bricklork that was laid starting in 2000, when again, it was nobody looking at it except the community, um, has changed. It has grown and it has made a ripple effect because the artists that it impacted, they are now in a place like Ali Wong, Randall Park, you know, um, these people are in a place where they can now prosper because of the efforts of people before them. So to me, um, as, a, as an artist, I see the dots. I, I feel like I've been very lucky to kind of see everything from a very macro point of view. 
and how my my job plays a role within that. And I think having that perspective is incredibly important because you no longer feel as alone. Um, you feel a responsibility that I think gives you a lot of purpose. And I think it just like, I don't know, perspective I think is so important because you can get so caught up in like how slow things can move and how insignificant you can feel. Um, that's why I think I, I just had like, I had such good fortune to like be part of collab and learn those things before I stepped into that arena. And trust me, I forget it sometimes because I get caught up in like just freaking about my next gig or if I will get one or, you know, am I, am I doing or making anything of relevance? Am I spread thin X, Y, Z? Um, but yeah, I, I think we're at a very important time right now, at least Asian Americans, like we're for sure, we're trending, we're, we're hot. Um, and sometimes those trends can come, but I also know that there's enough people behind the scenes, like you guys, like literally volunteers that will not stop, you know, just because it becomes an irrelevant hashtag, right? Doesn't mean that people behind the scenes are going to stop that work. Um, yeah. And I, and I really think that it's because uh, hopefully it's because you guys get something out of it. Not just that you're doing it as some big altruistic thing for the larger community, but it's something that you guys enjoy and that you guys build friendships and it helps you expand your creative vision and stuff um knowing that that exists helps me a lot as an artist and i feel like i'm gonna take that with me did i answer your question yes <laughs> okay. um do you have any questions um i want to know more about um what inspired you to start your podcast first of all and what is your vision and dream for it I mean, it's already so um, established. There's already 70 plus episodes. So that's a great feat in itself. And what do you see for the next steps? Um, the, re the thing that inspired me to make, first of all, is all of the passive aggressive remarks that people make that like, you have a lot to say, Minji. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay attention to those things, guys. People give you, people give you, um, they give you hints as to like what it is that you might be good at. Not say like be, just talking a lot means you're good. I would be a good podcaster, but um, people gave me a lot of encouragement. So I, I was very, again, lucky to be around people that were honest with me, gave me feedback and said, you know, when you talk about relationships, like I re it really helped me. Um, or, you know, you have an interesting perspective about artists or about immigration or whatever it is. Um, I appreciate hearing that. And so I kind of, banked on that a bit like hearing people's feedback and ultimately I got to give credit to Marvin who is my my associate director at collaboration all these years um he's the podcast king of Asian America <laughs> and he really pushed me um he was just like I think he also got sick of me lecturing about his girlfriend like talking about relationships like to him <laughs> he's like you should just record this like go away <laughs> um but he saw something you know positive in me and he encouraged me he's like saying like you know you'd be a good voice I think um there are very few women out there who host podcasts he's the one that was really into it so I credit him for giving me the push um to to do that because I was very again imposter syndrome like who's gonna listen to me like why would that why would that even become a thing and um so that's that and then also was inspired by the fact that Oprah's on my vision board <laughs> I know that sounds super cliche but I just genuinely uh, look up to her in terms of what she did for making voice and room for other stories just to like be there for people who have dealt with abuse or like 
racism and make those things a conversation piece for others to listen in on. I really like that. So that that career concept, I just liked the idea of having a space for that and seeing how it grow. Um, now I'm, I don't know, like Long's actually been helping me. Like Long's a, a really supportive person in my podcast world and has been so gracious and generous with his time. Just like encouraged me to like not stop because I've wanted to quit at least a dozen time, times. <laughs> I'm just like, who who cares what I have to say? You know, what is so much work? Uh, but um, no, if it's worthwhile, it makes an impact and I enjoy it, then yeah, I want to keep it up. But I think long-term vision is just keep it going. Um, continue to refine what each, have seasons, um, define what are the goals of each season? How do I want to grow an audience, collaborate with other people? All of those are very much under the microscope right now. Um, but yeah, have, I have decided I'm not giving up on it and that I want it to be, yeah, just continue to be a space for interesting stories. I think dating and, you know, pop culture and um, family, those things, those topics will never get boring to me ever. I think they'll never stop being relevant. I'm going to continue to change as a person. You know, if I, if I go get married or become a parent, like there's an endless amount of things that we, we got to talk about, you know, so hopefully it'll be a space for that. Yeah. I think that's, uh, we should wrap up from there. Do you want to add anything else that was on your mind or you want to shout out to? I want to ask how you guys are doing. I want to know like how you guys feel about collaboration. Like I, I think about you guys a lot, just that you guys are doing such important work. And I actually forgot to answer one of your questions. Like I do feel, I do feel a lot of guilt leaving collaboration. Um, because I still wanted to contribute to it because I never ever feel like I'm done with anything. <laughs> um, but I'm doing my very best uh, still to be on the board and to like get resources for, for the org and just expand everything here in LA and continue that, that, uh, that torch. I don't know what the right word is, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just my honest answer. I did feel a lot of guilt, but I'm still very, very proud of like everything you guys are doing. And I'm curious to like what you guys are feeling about where it's at and like how it's been for you. Well, first of all, I wanted to address the guilt because I wish you didn't feel that way. You've contributed so much to collaboration. And it's funny that people who have really built things on their own and, um, grew it as like a baby to a child and when you leave you feel like oh I need to contribute more and there's always gonna be work to do right it's never gonna be complete there's always things we can add on to it and improve and build um and so you providing so much for collaboration SF and globally I wish you didn't feel that guilt and I hope you feel our gratitude um just hearing you talk about your journey and the reasons why you did it and the reasons you stayed I could relate so much to it as well. Um, and I think it just reminds people to reflect on their own journey within collaboration, why we started in the first place, and also acts as a motivator for why we continue to do the work that we do. So I appreciate your perspective. And when you talk about the podcast, like who wants to hear the perspective that I provide? And, you know, me, I would love to hear that. I love the background that you have, and I'm inspired by that. So continue doing you. Thank you. We're going to end this podcast with me crying. <laughs> I think um, throughout your journey and your life, the way you're talking about it, it seems like um, 
the big trajectories or the things that um, big catalysts in your life are taking risk and doing things that you're scared of and you're nervous to do that you think I might not be ready for it and look how far you brought these things what do you think is the next big maybe jump in your life that you're nervous to take and you think you might not be ready for oh I I'm go. I guess I'm going public no uh I, these are <laughs> ideas again but the challenge for me um at least in film and TV, because that's always been something I wanted to do. And it felt like the dream that was too big and too audacious for me to bring to life. Um, I'm I'm writing now. So beyond the acting, acting and um, auditioning constantly and seeing scripts and seeing the characters that were available to me. And I, I, I can be an ambitious person. And on the other side of that, I can be really impatient. Like, I just don't want to wait for people to write my part or your guys' parts. Like... I feel like it's taking responsibility for the fact that like the anger that I think is directed towards <laughs> white America. Sometimes I get it. I get it. And it's, it's real, but also some of it feels like it's not productive because you're wasting energy being mad at people who don't know your story and getting mad that they didn't write your story better. So on one side, they do have a responsibility. If they're going to build a world to do your due diligence and to go to the umpteenth degree to like make it as authentic as possible, to me, that's great art. If you can make it honest and true. Even if it's like sci-fi or fantasy, whatever, like there's still reality you can base it in. That being said, I'm not going to be mad that a bunch of white writers <laughs> or like non-Asian writers didn't write my role correctly or didn't know or didn't center their story around me. That's not their job. If opinion that's not and if they did we'd still be criticizing them we'd be like you didn't do it right you don't know our customs you don't know korean versus vietnamese versus you know <laughs> we're gonna have some gripe with it so to me i'm like the solution that i learned through collaboration is make your own stuff right and that's going to be a process because it's not going to be great right out the gate it's going to be clunky it's going to be weird you're going to have to work on that script you're going to have to work on that novel whatever it is that you're working the song it's a learning process if you don't like the process then you're not going to let you know the end result, A is never going to get there and B, like, it's going to be a miserable journey, right? So try to enjoy the process as much as possible. So in that, I started to write. Um, I've been writing since I was a kid. So I want to write film and TV. I want to make shows. Um, collaboration taught me that I'm a natural producer. So I have a lot of different options and I just want to not flinch on them the way, like, again, talking to you guys is actually a reminder to me how many times I doubted myself and how much I held back. And now I just kind of want to move forward in increments just to like, just go. It'll take a while. It may go fast. Sometimes it may go slow, but just go and maybe like, you know, have my own production company. I think I could work with so many people that I met through collab and beyond and create stories. I think that are really worthwhile to tell and like, fun them I don't know like the sky's the limit and honestly that came out of collaboration that you can make things out of you can you can get good ideas and get good people together and you can make things happen it's just a matter of the doing a lot of people have ideas a lot of people don't execute so for me my next big project the larger project is like have my own production house and start again not just working with writers and actors but with directors producers with musicians i could like literally have an army of asian american artists that i could feature in all the soundtracks that could score everything that could audio engineer stuff like you know i got locations like like what am i waiting for but that self-doubt is very real 
So I just want to, you know, continue to combat that. And thank you for recognizing, you know, risk taking is, you know, the risk and you have to be courageous and just go. Yeah. I want to put you on the spot, Minji. And I'm doing, because, you know, I always do this out of love. Um, <laughs> so as a creative now, what do you need from us and what can you use this platform to ask for what, on your immediate projects right now? Immediate projects. Um, I'm producing a feature documentary right now um, mm. about an Asian American rock climber. Okay, I'm not into the rock climbing universe, but this she's a she's a really astounding young woman named Ashima, um, and she's she's kind of famous around the world in people who follow rock climbing. But I'm gonna launch a Kickstarter for that soon, hopefully within the next uh, few weeks. So if people like obviously we want to make a product that people are proud of. She is currently training to maybe compete in the Olympics next year where they're introducing rock climbing as a new sport, um, which would be really exciting. But her story yeah, is not about the rock climbing. It's about her as a young person, as an Asian American athlete, um, as a young woman coming of age. And that resonates a lot with me. Um, listen to my podcast, you know, hopefully you can listen and give feedback, like constructive feedback. If you like something, if you have suggestions for topics, I would, I would love you know, appreciate the follow. Um, if it's something that like really resonates with people, I love encouragement and love. It does mean a lot to me that people leave reviews and like tell me how much things in them. It gives people fuel. And for an independent artist, it's not just for me, but for all independent artists who are trying to make something, they need to know that what they're doing matters. So whether that comes from one people or a thousand, one people, one person <laughs> or a thousand people, um, I want people out there to know that those things make a difference. So don't ever like count yourself out of impact just because you're not like some celebrity or publicist or something like making a big splash. Having a connection with somebody and appreciating their work goes a really long way. We still haven't answered Minji's questions about our experience. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also? <laughs> Well, we got a quick, we're running out of time. We don't want to take too much of your time, Minji. You're fine. <laughs> she wants to hear this. Um, Long, you go first since you have had a longer journey of collaboration. Um, I think one unique thing about my journey in general, my career and stuff, I think if you put Minji's path and my path, like we're literally flip opposite. Like I wanted to be in creative and didn't find something like collab and so i just did freelance things and then found personal training and then i didn't know about collab until probably like two three years ago right and i always use superheroes as like a analogy because like you know i didn't get to see myself and that challenged me a lot through fitness industry and who i was as a person i never thought myself as my own lead character if that makes sense and I don't know, when I started to know about collaboration, like I had a lot of different perspectives, different angles, and then also a lot of like baggage, right? But when you get older, there's a moment where you can flip being cynical or still be optimistic. And I think internally I wanted to work on that. And there was a moment where like I almost became like too cynical, but like I opened up my heart a little bit more. I was like, let's give this one more chance and start really diving into who I am. And that's where I started really looking into being Asian American and what that represents. And before, I won't lie, like whenever I thought, like if I were to ask myself about collaboration 10 years ago when I was young, it's like, it felt cheesy and corny to have like a group like this. But then 
I think I thought that way because I was insecure and didn't like myself a certain way. Um, and so me being part of it, it was just actually me joining Collab and like looking into Collab was actually more of a challenge to me. Um, kind of like Batman. Batman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a geek. But like Batman, he Batman used Bat as a fear, right? He didn't. It, the story goes he fell in the well and like he was scared of bats, but he wanted to confront his fear. So it's not like he loved bats. I didn't grow up with a typical Asian American experience, but my skin is still Vietnamese and I needed to challenge myself and look through that too. And then by the time I came in, I, you just left and become an, an actress thing, an entrepreneurial. And for me to come in, I just had a different outlook and I, I love what I do now. It proved me wrong in so many ways, but also being wrong is not a bad thing. And I'm grateful for all the misconceptions that wash that away, being part of this. And I think I don't tell the team enough that like being around young people, although I make fun of them <laughs> some, a lot. Are you not young yourself, Long? No, I'm not. <laughs> bring chicken, Long. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring me life no matter how pissed off they make me or how like <laughs> these things and like I'm not even a leader yet like I'm not but you know it's it's good it was a good um challenge and it's a good challenge your turn <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about a whole journey in collaboration um well I mean it started out I mean I grew up born and raised in San Francisco, so I've always been around very Asian-dominated communities. Um, and I know, actually, that's not everyone's experience in San Francisco, but that was mine. I grew up in the Sunset, um, went to high school at Galileo, um, really close to Chinatown. And so I've always been in communities that have high Asian populations. And just being children of immigrants and being first generation, seeing the divide and seeing um, how much of a struggle my parents and my grandparents and a lot of people go through. I always wanted to help push representation Asian in the Asian American community um, and help out the Asian American community in any way possible. Um, and so I actually first got into collaboration by attending Showcase when I was in college and it was being held at UC Berkeley at the auditorium and just seeing such a huge community come out, supporting these local artists, having judges that were you know, local celebrities, people who are anchors, um, people that you see their faces, see their names, um, coming out and supporting these smaller people. Um, and even having collaboration alumni come back, like Clara Chung came out to perform at that showcase and seeing her give back to the community that has helped raise her as well. Um, it was very inspiring and I, um, I love supporting local artists and I follow people who perform um, at showcase to this day. Um, Peter Chung and there's one guy named Ji Hung Bak and he's not a famous guy but he went to Berkeley and he um, sang and he doesn't really sing professionally anymore or post YouTube videos but I know I'm always going to be a lifelong supporter because I really believed in his voice and his story um, and I went to showcase recently maybe like two years ago when we had it in Oakland because you know I, I didn't hear much about collaboration anymore and I wanted to know where did it go um, and seeing it in Oakland kind of reignited this passion that I have, um, and I want to help, you know, raise awareness more about collaboration and bring back showcase, bring back all these activities that we have because I think people should 
have the same experience, whether they want to get involved in an organization with people who are similar to them, share same values, share the same background, or people who just want to be discovered and given that mentorship, given that resources to grow as an artist. Um, that is my journey in collaboration, and um, I'm really grateful for the people that I've met throughout this, and I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways that I will have, um, just like you, Minji. Thank you so much. Elsa, <laughs> can I t- tell you a really cool thing? Yeah. That show that you're referencing at Zellerbuck? Uh-huh. That was my first show as executive director. Oh, my gosh. So that was uh, Jihern's My Little Baby. I was. <laughs> You might know him, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Jihern's one of my, he's one of the people that I think of when he performs and he did Sky Full of Lighters at the end and we all pulled out our cell phones. Like I remember sitting there, I was standing actually at the very side of the stage and I was crying because I was like, I helped make this. I helped like my team, we did this. That's like something you can't ever, you can't, you can't fabricate. You can't, no one can like buy that. That's either Mm -hmm. something you buy through your love and your work um, and that was one that was like it. I was like, I'm I was, you know, I was already sold, but like that kind of really sealed the deal. And um, yeah, I remember Claire performing. Claire's a friend actually became friends with her, went to her wedding. Like oh I was gosh. like, I can't believe I'm friends with Clara. You know, like and those are people <laughs> to us that mean so much. You know, she's a fantastic artist. Um, but I'm just so touched that that was something that brought you here and that we were like talking, you know, yeah, was it nine yeah. years later? crazy that that's what collaboration does it builds all these connections and you don't know how it's going to touch people who go away and maybe they don't maybe someone's not in collaboration now but they will be back you know in the future and they're like actually I remember collaboration I want to help out or I don't even know if Jihar knows the impact he's made on me and wanting to forever support him or forever support these amazing artists that I've heard so I think that's so cool and great about collaboration all these kind of invisible links that it brings to people together um so well i hope that you guys continue to like reach out to them i know peter's a good friend of mine he actually reached out he's like san francisco's having a showcase like what i didn't know about it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like we're all like doing our thing but we all have these as well i love that it it means a lot to you guys and we'll, we'll keep up the we'll keep fighting the good fight and i think even with asian america you know even if we're trending in there's still work to be done, you know, even in diversity and in, in media and just making sure that stories are heard. You guys are doing incredible work. And I hope that, you know, it's really great for me to hear that it's something that is fulfilling to you or like gives you a lot of um, just good memories and like <laughs> positive reinforcement to like go do what you want to do. Cause that's important. I think people who don't do that, you know, it's something that we all struggle with in our lives, but you guys are doing it. So that makes me happy. <laughs> and of course i always ask is like you as performer now like how would how's it gonna feel will feel because it's gonna happen right <laughs> when you have a big project was that <laughs> we're manifesting it right we're now. manifesting right now when you work on a big project and then someone like collab sf or la helps out your project Oh my God, I'll be crying. Like <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. If you guys haven't caught on to that, um, but I mean, like life's full of these beautiful moments. Let's just cry. Um, 100%. I mean, th- this will, again, you kind of don't realize how big moments are in your life. You just go through the motions and then you kind of pick up like, oh my God, this is, this is life changing. This is going to be something that, um, 
And some things don't end up being like that. You know, sometimes you think things are really big and they end up really being kind of a blip in the radar. But no, I'm definitely going, I have my people. I know where I come from. I have my friends. Um, they continue to do their work. So that's why I think it's so important for you guys, everybody listening, do your work well, do it with integrity, do it with like excellence. People will pay attention. So even if you don't get that immediate payoff, people are watching, like we're all watching each other and we all want to support each other. We don't know when we're going to get our in, right? Our big moment. And I've just seen it time and time again that, you know, pay attention to the people around you. It's important to look up and have people that inspire you that you look up to. But also like what I continue to get told by people in the industry, people that I admire, like look at the people to your left and right. Look at to the people who are your peers. They're they are the ones that are going to continue to grow with you and they'll support you. And that's, again, something incredibly valuable that sometimes we don't think about because we're thinking about the next thing, the next big thing we're looking up, um, which, again, is important, but it's not the only thing. Like, look at who you're going to do it with because no one does anything alone. So, yeah, get ready, you guys, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so we get tickets to your premiere for your movie, right? Obvi. <laughs> No, I'll buy. I'll, no, I'll buy. No, I gotta support my artists. I'll buy a ticket. No, no, we'll we'll figure out a way. But like, no, I'll I'll, I'll take care of my people. <laughs> He's like, I got it recorded. It's it's, no, it's legally I'll binding play. now. No, it's. <laughs> I'll I'll, just give me a executive credit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fine. I'll like that's fine with me. Nah, nah, make me secret. Um, but thank you so much. I think that's it. We, need, yeah. we covered a book, right? Um. Thank you in front of everyone. Maybe leave this in, leave this out of podcast. But you know, I think I tell you this all the time, Minji, how much I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, um, like I said, like I just, for at least for me, like this is kind of a thank you of what you've done, and like I want to return the favor, and make sure like we have a transition of you becoming the artist. Thank you. Um, I'm getting show notes now. Can you, we're going to do the sound. Oh, can you, uh, do the plug of like plug all your social media stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to find out about me, um, you can go honestly easiest, which is weird. I can go to my website, minjichain.com. It has links to all the social. It's at minjizi for Instagram. My podcast is called first of all. I found out that there are other first of all podcasts, but mm -hmm. I by far have the most episodes. <laughs> There's like first <laughs> of all podcasts that pops up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, a lot of people talk and they don't do. But anyway, um, I, I definitely would love to hear back from people and um, hear feedback on what people resonate with. And it's not just a follow, but I love to know what's going on and what people think. So, yeah. Hit me up. Cool. Is there any more technical things that we have to take care of? I think we're done done. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Minji, for your time. And it's so funny because I feel like this conversation has been a full circle. Um, talking to you and you starting it all and, um, and then we're the new generation. But having all this reflection and having all these ties that who knew that we had so many, um, you know, connections, these little like epiphanies or events that we've attended together and now we're sharing it. It's like, wow, we did the same thing and we shared the same experience without knowing it. Yeah. It that it, honestly, I love it. I loved hearing your story and I'm really, really happy that uh, I'm grateful that you're helping out. And, you know, it's a big, it means a lot to me.
Thanks, Minjane. Thank it was both. a great opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. I needed this, you guys. Thank you. And that's going to do it for the fifth episode of Golden Great. Send questions, comments, and episode ideas our way to goldengreat at collaboration.org with the K. Golden Great producers are Ray Wong and Michelle Abiera, and our executive producer is Josh Coe. Sound mixing was by Michelle Abiera and editing by Ray Wong. Our fabulous theme song was composed by Robert Guh. Please like, favorite, and rate us. We'll catch you next time. Stay golden! Stay golden.